Uh, so last week, if you were here, uh, there's a woman named Stacy. She's my wife. She's awesome. Uh, she taught last week about the story of Abraham in Genesis chapter 12. And that's the story when God told Abraham to go, to leave his land, his family, his father's household, okay? And early in the morning, Abraham up and he left. And she taught us a Hebrew word. Anybody, anybody remember what the Hebrew word or phrase was? I can't wait to tell her. She's not here tonight, but she's going to be so excited. You guys are awesome. Well done. The Hebrew word was lech lecha. Say it, say it with me. Lech lecha. Okay? Lech lecha literally means to go forth or to go walk yourself. And so God tells Abraham in Genesis chapter 12, go forth, go lech lecha to the land that I will show you. And so he left his, his current land and family, and his father's household, and he went out uh, to the place that God was going to show him. Tonight, we are going to continue our series through Hebrews chapter 11, and we're going to continue the story of Abraham and kind of what comes next. But before we do that, I want to invite my friend Aubrey to come on down, and she's going to share with us the Hebrews 11 passage for us tonight. So, ladies and gentlemen, Aubrey Petroso. Hebrews 11, 11 through 19. And by faith, even Sarah, who was past childbearing age, was enabled to bear children because she considered him faithful who had made the promise. And so from this one man, and he as good as dead, came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as the sand on the seashore. All these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on earth. People who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. If they had been thinking the country that they had left, they would have had opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. By faith, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who had embraced the promises was about to sacrifice his one and only son, even though God had said to him, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. Abraham reasoned that even God could raise the dead, and so in a matter of speaking, he did receive Isaac back from death. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Okay, so this is the story we're going to talk about tonight. We're going to talk about the story of Abraham and Isaac. But before we get there, I think what would be helpful is a little bit of background, okay? So last week we looked at Genesis chapter 12 when God tells Abraham to go from his land to the land that he was going to show him. Just prior to that story, in Genesis chapter 11, the Bible gives us a very key detail that I think helps us out. Genesis chapter 11 says this, the name of Abraham's wife was Sarai. Now Sarai was barren. She had no children. She had no children, okay? This is in a culture where the primary social unit was 
the family. And the greatest curse that a woman could have was to have a barren womb. That was the greatest curse. To be childless was economically and socially disastrous. Economically, because parents had no one to support them in their old age. They didn't have like hospice or things like that that we have nowadays. And um, socially, because barrenness had this stigma about it. Sometimes people thought if you couldn't have a kid, it's because you must have done something wrong and God must be judging you or you must have some sort of sin in your life that you need to clean up. And so this is maybe why you don't have a kid. That's kind of what was going on uh, culturally. Um, If you were barren, you were of no value. James says this in his book, faith without works is useless. Okay, so we're talking about faith a lot this semester. The thing that's interesting about this word, the Greek word that he uses for useless is the same Greek word for being barren. If you were barren, you were considered useless, of no value. Some of you may or may not know this. Stacy and I have experienced a little bit of this kind of feeling. Stacy and I, my wife Stacy, just to be clear in case you don't know us that well, uh, we're married. We've been married for nine years. For about three or more years, we tried to have kids, and there was no answer. And so for years and years and years through praying and crying and trying and going to doctors and infertility specialists, no answers and no babies. So we, we, feel, we feel a little bit of, of this. But I would say how much more so for Abraham and his wife Sarah, where in that culture, it was a very, very, very different kind of disaster for them. And how much longer were they trying to have children? Then, okay, so this happens in Genesis chapter 11. We hear that they are unable to have children. Genesis 12 is the story we looked at last week. Genesis chapter 15, God tells Abraham, hey, even though you're unable to have children, guess what? I got a plan, and you're going to have a kid. And God promises Abraham that he will become the father of a great nation and that he will have offspring as innumerable as the stars. So that's in Genesis 15. In Genesis 17, God reminds Abraham of this promise that he's going to have a son. And God even changes Abraham's name to father of many. Don't worry, Abraham. I didn't forget. I still got this. You're going to have a kid. It's going to be okay. Genesis chapter 18, God announces that Sarah is going to become pregnant. And then in Genesis chapter 21, their son Isaac was born. Genesis 21, Isaac was born. And the Bible tells us that Sarah, Abraham's wife, was 90. Some of you just got that. Okay? Sarah was 90, and Abraham was 100. Okay? My grandma had 10 kids. 
She is now 92. I'm sorry. There is no way she's going to have number 11 anytime soon. Okay? Sarah's 90. Abraham is 100 when their son Isaac was born. And God fulfilled this promise to Abraham. And this is now 14 years after God had initially said to Abraham, you're going to have a son. So Abraham was old, getting older, getting older, getting older. Okay, now he's really old. And as the Hebrews 11 text says, and he's as good as dead. He's useless. And that's when God says, okay, now I'm going to show up and I'm going to show what kind of power I have and that there's nothing that is too difficult for me. But Abraham had to wait 14 years after the promise and 100 years total. Maybe not he didn't wait 100. Maybe he wasn't, you know, waiting when he was 10. But you get the idea, right? Then we, uh, so with all that background, now I want to read the story we're going to dive into tonight. So if you have a Bible, uh, turn with me to Genesis chapter 22. Genesis 22. And if you do not have a Bible and would like one, one of our lovely friends would love to share with you. And just go ahead and raise your hand and we will... Be glad to let you follow along in an NIV 1984 version study Bible. Genesis chapter 22, Genesis 22. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to read a couple of verses at a time, and then I'm going to say a couple things, and we'll just keep going through the story that way. Genesis 22, starting at verse 1. After these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham! And he said, here I am. God said, take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. Okay, so right here in verse 1, we hear God say that this is going to be a test. Okay, God is testing Abraham for whatever reason. Why is God testing Abraham? I don't really know. It doesn't really tell us. But we know that w- the next thing that's going to happen is a test. And God calls him, and Abraham, Abraham simply says, here I am. What do you want? What do you have for me? What's the next assignment? You know, a few years ago, I walked 1,200 miles because you told me to, and now you're calling me again. Now what's next? Maybe he's a little nervous about this, and rightfully so. And then God says this. Verse 2, take your son, your only son, whom you love, and go offer him up as a burnt offering. Take your son, your only son, whom you love. This is actually the very first time that the word love is mentioned in the entire Bible. I think that's a key detail. This is like setting the stage for the kind of love that is eventually to come, to eventually be um, modeled for us. Take your son, your only son, son whom you love. First time the word love is mentioned in the Bible. Think about this. After years and years and years or decades of waiting and wondering and praying and crying out to God for a son. Finally, 
finally gets a son. We don't know how old Isaac is in this story. But as soon as God gives him the son, he's like, okay, now this is what I want you to do. I want you to go sacrifice him. I want you to go offer him up as a burnt offering. Abraham's love for his son was deep because of the story that came before it. I think anybody who has a son is, loves their son, but because of the journey beforehand and the trying and the wondering and the trials that came along with it, I think maybe it was a little bit extra special. Does that make sense? Okay, verse 3. So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac. Are you kidding me? Let me read that part again. So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac excruciating as it must have been. God says, do this. Abraham's like, all right, here we go. Early the next morning, let's go. And he cut the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. On the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place from afar. Then Abraham said to his young men, stay here with the donkey. I and the boy will go over there and worship and come again to you. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son. And he took in his hand the fire and the knife, so they went, both of them, together. And Isaac said to his father Abraham, My father! And he said, Here I am, my son. He said, Behold, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? Isaac is uh, maybe on to something here. Okay, we've been traveling for three days, and I see the fire, and I see the wood, and I see a knife, but I don't see the sacrifice. Dad, did you forget something? I mean, you ever forget something on a trip before, and you're like, shoot, or you just leave the house, and you got to turn around because you forgot your phone or something like that? This is a three-day journey on foot. And Abraham, or Isaac has this, uh, oh, uh, Dad, did you, do we have to turn around? Did you forget something? What, what's the game plan here? Verse 8, Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. So they went, both of them together. Abraham simply says, don't worry about it. God's got this. He's going to provide. It's going to be okay. Don't stress. What was Abraham thinking? Was he stressed? Probably. Uh, okay, now I need my friend Joey to come on up here. Joey, will you come on up? Give it up for Joey. He's going to be my volunteer. <laughs> volunteer because I told him to. All right? Okay, you stand right here for right now. All right? Yeah, voluntold, not volunteer. There you go. Uh, when they came to the place of which God had told them, Abraham built the altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac his son and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Here's our altar. Go ahead and lay down. All right. 
There you go. There you go. Binding you, tying you up here. There we go. All right. You're laying on the altar. Then Abraham reached out his hand and took a knife. It's a butter knife. Don't stress. Okay. It's a butter knife. And took a knife, reached out to slaughter his son. Can you feel this? <laughs> yep. <laughs> he says, yep. I mean, what, what's going on with Abraham in this moment right now? He raises his hand with a knife with his son that he'd been praying for for years and years and years on the altar. Is he like stoic, like there's no life in him, like some sort of serial, serial killer, and he's like, I just got to do my job? Is he weeping uncontrollably and can barely lift his arm? Is he shouting at God, what are you talking about? What is going on here? And what about Isaac? Is he just like, yeah, we're good. I'm just going to sit here and chill and be calm because this is normal. Or is, he, is there some sort of shouting match that's going on with his son and is he, is there like, are they, is he like trying to get out of the, the binding? This is the story. Abraham reached out his hand and took a knife to slaughter his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here I am. Here I am. It's okay, I just dropped the knife. Okay? Here I am. At the very last second, the time clock has expired. Abraham had fulfilled the test that God was asking to do. Abraham said, I am willing to do whatever God asks me to do, even if it's this. And at the very last second, an angel calls down and says, okay, don't do it. I now know that you trust me. I now know that you believe me and that you will give me everything, including your son, your only son, whom you love. Because that's the kind of faith and the trust that Abraham had. The angel said, do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, seeing that you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. Good job. Thank you. Thank you for not dying. Okay. Just stay here for a second. Okay. Um, then Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him was a ram caught in the thicket by his horns. And Abraham went, took the ram, and offered it as a burnt offering <laughs> instead of his son. <laughs> so Abraham called the name of that place, the Lord will provide, as it is said to this day, on the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. This is the word of the Lord. All right, give Joey a hand. He's a brave soul. 
this story. It's so intense. It's so intense. And then here's the thing that I always wonder about when I read this story. Like, okay, then what happened? So Abraham and Isaac walk three days back home. That was probably awkward. <laughs> right? I mean, did Isaac have to go see a counselor for a while? Uh, I mean, sometimes when, like, Stacy's gone for the day and I'm home with the boys, sometimes I, like, you know, I may or may not try to spoil Jaden. Like, maybe we'll go get ice cream or something like that. But then, you know, sometimes I say to Jaden, hey, Jaden, this is our secret. Don't tell mom. Okay? So is that what's happening on this three-day journey home? Is Abraham saying to Isaac, okay, Isaac, I know that was a little intense and a little awkward, but don't tell mom. <laughs> I have no idea. Maybe, maybe, I just, maybe I'm making light of a very intense story because that's the only way I can handle it. But I also like to ask these questions because these were real people in this real situation. As soon as I say to Jaden, don't tell mom, mom walks in the door, hey mom, guess what? But maybe Isaac walked in the door, mom, you're not going to believe what dad tried to do. <laughs> the rabbis actually say that Sarah isn't mentioned much after this story because they think that she died right after hearing the news of what just happened. That's... That's what the rabbis say, so I don't know for sure what happened with that, but there are so many things that we could talk about with this story, but I think this story epitomizes a person's relentless determination to trust, to obey, and to serve God no matter what. No matter what no matter how difficult the circumstances. There's actually a, a Jewish study method for Scripture interpretation where if there's a word or a phrase that is used very uncommonly, I guess maybe a way to say it, if there's like, you know, it's mentioned two or three times in the Bible, this Hebrew phrase, then the rabbis or the Jewish people would say, okay, so if it's found in here and it's found here, somehow these things must help interpret each other. This rare Hebrew word or phrase and this rare Hebrew word or phrase, and somehow they're going to help interpret this story for us, okay? So this is called a Gezerah Shabbat, and nobody really cares about that and here right. Anyway, so in Genesis chapter 12, the story we talked about last week, God says, go forth and lech lecha. And then Genesis chapter 22, God says, Take your son, your only son whom you love, and lech lecha. The only two times in the entire Bible that the word lech lecha is mentioned. Genesis chapter 12 and Genesis chapter 22. Take yourself. Take your son. Go. And so, in Lech Lecha number one, if you will, God asked Abraham to do what? Sacrifice himself. Go take yourself. Trusting God with his past, 
with what's known, with the present day, and Abraham obeys, no questions asked. Then God asked Abraham to be willing to give up the one thing that he maybe loved the most, remembering that descendants represented the future. So in Lech Lecha number two, God asks Abraham to sacrifice his son, trusting God with now his future. So by looking at both uses of Lech Lecha, which I know is like, what is this guy saying? Okay, looking at both uses of this word, we see that God is asking Abraham to trust God with literally everything. His past, his present, his future, his reputation, the thing that he cherished and loved the most that he wanted to cling to. God says, no, trust me with that too. Trust me with that too. And Abraham trusted and obeyed God, offering the person that he loved the most. Abraham put his faith into action. And as we talked about week one, the Hebrew word for faith is emunah. Say emunah. Emunah. Faith that requires action. And Abraham is a man who had serious emunah. Over the last couple of weeks, I have kept asking myself, how, how, how did Abraham do this? How did Abraham do this? Take your son, your only son, whom you love. This is a different story for me now that I'm a dad. Take your son, your only son, whom you love. As I've been listening to these words over the last couple of weeks, and as I'm cuddling my son Eli, what? Take your son, your only son, whom you love. Or as I was playing at the park or wrestling around with Jaden or playing cars or whatever, I kept hearing these words. Take your son, your only son, whom you love. Take your, take your son your only son whom you love and lay it on the altar lay him on the altar as a way of saying God I trust you even with him even with him I trust you this much I love him so much Jaden I love you but I trust God and I trust God's plan for your life, and I trust God's plan for mine. Take your son, your only son, whom you 
love. This story is intense. And maybe I feel it more than you do. And maybe that's okay. The story is filled with drama and lots of really hard questions. And I don't have answers to almost all of them, maybe all of them. I think one, I think one way to think about the story with Abraham is this. Next slide. This is what it was for Abraham. He just said, you know what? God is greater than and more important than Isaac. And if this is what God says, this is what I'm going to do. But I don't think the question for you and I tonight, I don't think the question is, could I have done what Abraham did? I don't think that's the question that we should be asking. I think the question we should be asking is, what is your Isaac? What is your Isaac? What might be a thing that God is asking you to say, trust me with this. Trust me with your future. Trust me with the plan that I have for your life. Trust me with the thing that you love and cherish the most. Even though you want to hang on to it like this, trust me and just let go a little bit and let me show you that I can provide and I've got a plan for you. So what might God be asking you to lay on the altar? Maybe for you, it might have to do with like your major or grad school or your job, something that has to do with the future that you're worrying about and wondering about and anxious about. And maybe God is saying to you, hey, this for you is your Isaac and go ahead and place it on the altar because I'm going to provide and it's going to be okay. Or maybe it's just busyness. We're all just really, really, really busy. And we want to act like we're important or feel like we're important. We're accomplishing lots of things. But maybe in our busyness, we're actually running from who or what God is calling us to be or do. Sort of like Alyssa shared tonight. So then I went to go do this instead, and then I realized, no, God had me get bitten by a snake for a reason, and then I had to turn to God. And so maybe our busyness is a way for us to kind of run from him. Or maybe it's some sort of addiction, or secret, or habit that people don't know about, or that's really hard, and and God is saying to you, you know, even this thing, I want you to lay that on the altar and trust me and give it to me and let me take that. Or maybe it's relationships. Our relationship. Maybe it's with your parents, with a friend, roommates, 
Or maybe God is saying to you, hey, I know you're hoping and wondering that that future spouse is in this room tonight, but it's okay. Trust me. I will provide, and it's going to be okay. And you can lay the relationships or lack thereof right here on the altar. Because God is a God who can and will provide. What is your Isaac? I cannot answer that question for you. What is your Isaac? Does it look like this? Or does it look like this? What is your Isaac? What is the future thing that you are wondering about, worrying about? What is the thing that you love and cherish and value the most? Abraham's faith, his emunah, his faith in action was all about trusting God with all that he was, all that he had, all that he would ever be. He trusted God with literally everything, even what he loved and valued the most, his son, his only son, whom he loved. And Abraham said, God will provide. That's what he said in verse 8, and then God provided. And then he named the place. Look, God provided. Because I know that's who God is, and he will provide for what we need day after day after day. Hebrews 11, verse 17 says this, By faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac. So tonight, as we look back at this story. We look back at this story, the faith story of Abraham and Isaac. My hope is that this story is, is sort of like Super Mario Brothers getting a mushroom, okay? And do 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 you know? And it puffs you up with encouragement and faith, and you're ready for the mission you feel a little more empowered because you're bigger now for the mission that lies ahead. The mission that Jesus is calling you to. So as we look back at the story, may we glean encouragement and confidence that God is going to provide for you and for me and he's going to equip us with the mission that he has for us. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses like Abraham. Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles or the distractions maybe that get in the way or the things that we wonder or worry about. Let us throw all those things aside and let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author or the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. Amen?